0: This podcast is with two of the most powerful healers I've ever come across and sat in ceremony with, Jen and Valco, who are in partnership and also trained in multiple different medicine lineages, from the Shapibo lineage to the Tabakero Mestizo lineage to also the Buiti Iboga lineage. And they bring a synthesis of all of their wisdom and knowledge to this conversation about not only the reverence for the traditional medicine paths but also the need to evolve and proliferate medicine for all people for all life for the good of all humanity and for our pathway out of these times of challenge and difficulty into a more beautiful world so i hope you guys enjoy this podcast with jen and valco but before we get started a word from our sponsors first up we have bond charge Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you probably understand the benefits of sauna and red light therapy, but not all of us are able to acquire a red light sauna and put it in our garage or put it in our house. So one of the technologies that can be used is a sauna blanket, and Bond Charge makes the best version of these sauna blankets that I've ever encountered. So instead of having to go into a sauna, you get the heat and the red light therapy in blanket form. So you can make a little nest, you can put on your bond charge sauna blanket and start to experience the benefits of the heat and the sweat and the red light therapy. So this is an incredible solution to get into one of these restorative practices that is really necessary for our fast paced lifestyle, a lifestyle that requires us dropping into these deeper healing modalities. So I really encourage you guys to check out all of Bond Charge's products, but especially the sauna blanket. So if you go to bondcharge.com, b-o-n-c-h-a-r-g-e.com slash amp, you can use the coupon code AMP to save 15%. That's bondcharge.com slash AMP, coupon code AMP to save 15%, which equates to $140 off your very own sauna blanket. Check it out. And if you're still on the fence, recognize that Bond Charge ships worldwide, has an easy return and exchange policy, a 12-month warranty, and all of their red light devices come in small portable options it's a great solution so check it out bondcharge.com amp now i'm going to admit that i didn't sleep well last night i slept on a helix mattress and it wasn't the mattress's fault actually the way that our lovely kitten natiri was lying next to my wife it put her in a position where her mouth was completely agape and she just couldn't stop snoring And then I would move the kitten and the kitten would go right back to where she was in the first place, thus putting Vailana's mouth in a prone position and she was snoring. So this has nothing to do with the exceptional mattress that is Helix Sleep. We ordered it specifically for this room in Miami because we love sleeping on Helix mattresses. You get all of the different choices between what level of firmness and also the way that it arrives. Like it wasn't difficult. Can you imagine getting a mattress delivered to the 11th floor? It's a nightmare, a normal mattress, but not the way that Helix Sleep delivers it. Everything from their packaging to what the mattress is made of is absolute top-notch quality. So for right now, Helix Sleep is offering 20% off your first order as well as two free pillows. So if you're interested, go to helixsleep.com slash amp and get 20% off plus two free pillows. helixsleep.com slash amp. All right, let's just drop into a little prayer understanding that the highest purpose of our life is dedicated in service to all life for the good of all my teacher don howard said para el bien de todos and so may these words like the medicine that we receive and the medicine that we serve be medicine in whatever form for those who hear it whether it's laughter inspiration opening of the heart expansion of the mind
1: and let the
0: words come
1: from the heart whatever we are sharing
0: yes indeed the seed of wisdom all right here we are Here we are we got a little tobacco in the space which is quite fitting (laughs) because we're here with valco and wherever (laughs) valco goes tobacco goes with him
1: yeah actually that's a a peruvian mapacho Mm Hmm which is uh, medicine tobacco Yeah, from the Amazonian jungle.
0: And I got, I got just, I got some Southern draw Manzanita cigar tobacco here. <laughs> so I'm going to go, since we're talking about tobacco, you know, we've worked a lot together in Costa Rica and we've been in ayahuasca mm-hmm. ceremonies together. But one of the interesting mm-hmm. ceremonies that we went in together was a tobacco ceremony.
2: Yeah.
0: And... Tobacco does involve smoking a lot of sacred tobacco. In fact, so much sacred tobacco that this little mapacho that Valco has, when you're in a tobacco ceremony, you don't just smoke a mapacho. He will bundle together a bunch of tobacco, <laughs> a bunch of mapachos with a hair tie. Anybody have a hair tie? And then you get a roll of like six of them. And he's like, smoke all of these. I'm like, all of those? That's a lot. But actually, that comes after you drink tobacco. So explain this practice, because I don't think everybody who I've shared with are like, what are you talking about? Holy Mm. shit. This was intense. And I have to say, I was prepared for the kind of intensity of the experience in a way, but not really, but not the subtle beauty of what the experience offered. So yeah, we're going to talk about ayahuasca. Yeah. We're going to talk about, you know, the lineage traditions that you guys have studied with, but and we're gonna actually talk about a ceremony that Vi and I facilitated for you guys as well. But I wanna start with this tobacco ceremony because it's pretty unique, and, uh, and it's a deep part of both of your medicine bags, and, and particularly yours, Valco, as a tabaquero. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Uh, when we think about tobacco, it's mainly smoking,
1: and not much people think about tobacco drinking it. But actually, that's the one of the ceremonial way of uh, of uh, ingesting the tobacco, you prepare a tea with the tobacco and like tobacco waska, tobacco waska, yeah, <laughs> and you put uh, certain other plants
0: inside uh-huh. just to activate it, and you drink it. And one, that, and there's one particular certain other plant, yeah, <laughs> which is not just like a certain <laughs> other plant. You know, sometimes in ayahuasca they're like yeah, we got a certain other plant in here. There's like a little bit of this little <laughs> lovely flower. <laughs> That's yeah. just accentuating the brew, you know, because the shamans dieted that plant or that tree. No, this is not subtle. No,
1: tobacco is not, uh, it's not, uh, so much of a sexy experience. Tobacco is nope. like hardcore work, uh, cleansing the pipes and cleansing the body. That's, uh, that's one of my main usages of tobacco. Yeah, And actually when we went on in the jungle, you know, before they give you the ayahuasca, they put, uh, put you on a strict diet and a cleansing diet. And one of the cleansing diets and one of the cleansing plants is tobacco. Just like a week to 10 days, just uh, really hardcore drinking it and smoking it. Like you were saying, uh, the bundle one. Mm-hmm. And the idea is just uh, to provoke a purge and to cleanse yourself, to cleanse your consciousness and prepare
0: yourself for the intake of other mind-expanding plants. Yeah. So the plant that I was alluding to is a very familiar plant. (laughs) Yeah. It is garlic. tobacco is intense enough when you ingest it in its liquid form. Yeah. And... But then you squeezed a good, healthy portion of fermented (laughs) garlic into the brew, which you're drinking out of like an ayahuasca gourd type of situation, and it's brown like ayahuasca. It's tobacco that's been soaked, I suppose, right? Yeah, basically. And then with fermented garlic. Yeah, garlic is a really, really, uh, really healing plant. Unless you're a vampire. Then well,
1: it's that's,
2: that's the idea <laughs> <laughs> and then it's more, why it's part of the yeah,
1: more, yeah,
0: killing the vampire part <laughs> killing reduction of vampire mm.
1: exactly you know you combine the both of them and you drink it and you just go tobacco is a dreaming plan that's one of the powers of mm-hmm. tobacco you know you have like your ceremony space or if it's not so much in the ceremony style can be like you just drink it on, on your own and you do your thing you Provoke some kind of uh, you know cleansing the body can be like vomiting or or the lower part no doubt no yeah. doubt and uh, after that you go to the to the space which is like uh, opening the dream world, and tobacco
0: is known for a dream plant world uh, yeah, and and so tobacco creates a nicotinic response in the brain which okay. is very similar to a cholinergic response. And I'm familiar with this because the flagship supplement that we had on it was alpha brain. And alpha brain is particularly targeting acetylcholine, a neurotransmitter in the brain. And they found in different studies, uh, acetylcholine enhanced the dream state mm. and enhanced the lucid dream state. And the nicotinic and, acetyl- and then cholinergic responses are very similar, actually. Like what's happening on a neurotransmitter level is very mm. closely akin to each other. So- it makes perfect sense that, you know, this would be also a dream medicine because it kind of allows your, allows your mind to enter into those dream states. But that was not what I was thinking about when I drank the <laughs> brew of tobacco and garlic. Yeah. Within 30 seconds, I was on all fours and I was just grabbing the ground like I was oh. like a panther trying to birth something out of my stomach the other way. And it was one of the most savage purges, like just irresistible, you know, like my claws digging into the, into the floor of our little Maloka type of space that we were in (laughs) our, our makeshift Maloka. We were, I was just fucking digging in. I have the purge bucket there and I'm just letting go of, well, perhaps a, some vampiric energy that I'd put in and perhaps just, you know, some of whatever was not resonant to, the, to having the cleanest vessel possible. But it was an amazingly powerful experience. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. You know, we hold so much stuff
1: in our body. We're close to so much of life. You know, and when tobacco enters in our body, it's a it's a really good cleanser of the subtle body, or if you want to call it in another way, the the uh, the chi energy. Mm-hmm. You know, then it goes where the chi is blocked and starts working in these areas, and that can be like a little bit more like the challenging part. Mm-hmm. And whenever this part of the body is like worked enough, you know, comes with the vomit, comes yeah. with the, with the coming. It, taking it out
0: and one of the practices that you employ is some very intuitively targeted body work yeah where you'll actually push on parts of the abdomen or the chest or the back or wherever there might be like blocked chi and it's almost like an acupressure kind of situation where it's not like shiatsu it's like i'm going to find this point and i'm going to send you're going to send your own ka your own chi your own kind of medicine into that spot adding energy so that the current can start to flow is, is really what it felt like.
1: That's 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 the idea mainly, you know, that kind of technique was uh, presented to me in dream space, in a diet. I didn't know how to do it. And I just, uh, I was dieting certain plants and actually in one of the dreams, it was shown how to do it. And I wasn't even sure what they were showing me in the beginning. And after a few months, after this dream, I started doing it intuitively.
0: Yeah. Was... So you, you apprenticed with a kind of master, very famous master tabaquero named Ernesto. Yeah. And I believe that I was in a retreat with Ernesto and Maestro Orlando way back in the day in 2010. And I didn't sit with Ernesto. Mm-hmm. We, we haven't confirmed whether that's true or not, but I, I believe that, that I did. That's the suspicion, right? Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. our suspicion, for sure. And, you know, you studied and apprenticed with them for how many years? Around 10 years, more or less. 10 years. Yeah. yeah. I started like in the wild years and it came like in the more civilized years. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure there's a lot of stories about the difference between the wild years and the more civilized years. Yeah. Yeah. And he has a very, you know, he's from the Mestizo lineage? Yeah. He works uh, predominantly with tobacco. Uh, That's his medicine.
1: And when I went to... To live in Peru, basically, that was my first medicine that I started with, which, uh, you know, there is uh, different medicines that you can go and do in Peru. One of the most famous one is ayahuasca. I was just uh, drawn intuitively to the tobacco. Yeah. And stay with him and just like dieting, dieting and learning in, in this in, in the lineage that he is trans, transmitting.
0: Now, was there a point? And I, I think I asked you this question. I'm going to ask you it again, though, for the podcast. But is there a point where your teacher says, okay, now you can serve? Is there like a, is there like a moment? Because I know in the That's in the Lakota right. Sundance tradition, like at a certain point, after four years, typically, you get your Chinupa. Mm-hmm. And once you're blessed with your Chinupa, which is the sacred pipe, then you're able to serve lodge. So our sister, Wida, was blessed with her Chinupa after a four-year initiation, So now she can serve Lodge, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: right? And there's like an actual moment where they're like, you can do this. But in a lot of other traditions, it's kind of like, well, you're ready when you're ready. And you don't get like a blessing to like say like you are now maestro and you can do this. Did you have that moment with Ernesto? It's it's interesting that you're asking this question. I, I,
1: I don't remember actually sharing this story before and I certainly don't remember sharing it with you there was a moment yeah yeah and uh, you know after doing like a bunch of diets uh, he was like uh, let's go and experiment and uh, do your thing but I always felt that uh, this guidance should come from not from me and my desire to do it and actually I had a dream that was really significant, and after contemplating you know how his dream space sometimes can be like really direct uh, mm-hmm. that's what you're dreaming, that's what's going on. This one was like half direct half not, but after a uh,
0: quite while meditation it's I took it like
1: yeah, the path is open,
0: yeah yeah, yeah, so i was I remember asking you this question, Chen, because you've apprenticed and studied in the Shippepo lineage. Mm-hmm. And I asked, I asked you, and I, I believe I recall the answer, but I asked you the same question, you know, after your many diets and your many years, you know, was there a moment where there was a gathering of the Shipibo elders or whoever your specific in, in teacher was? And I think, it, from my understanding, you've had several different, different teachers
2: mm-hmm.
0: where they were like, and now, Jen, you can serve ayahuasca.
3: <laughs> Wasn't quite like a council like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know. There, there's a kind of general in that tradition where you need more or less something like five years of dieting um, in order to be ready, but there's no one recipe for any person. No. It's just, it's such an individual thing. I have a dear friend who started apprenticing and after less than two years, he started working because he was just ready. Um, he, this The plants mm. came to him and he went, he spread his wings. Um, for me, it was it was a little over five years of time doing diets before I actually started to run ceremonies on my own. And, you know, there was encouragement from my maestro at that time. And I have had a, a few different maestros. Um, but there, but it's kind of like, you know, you're ready to this level, you've reached this level. Right. Um, and there's you know, there's, 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 always, always, there's always more levels, to learn. There's always more to learn. Even if you're an 80-year-old uh, Onaya in the middle of the Amazon rainforest, you still have more to learn. Mm-hmm. It's infinite.
0: Yeah. That's the yeah. sign of actually a master is to recognize that we're always students because we're approaching what's called the mystery for a reason.
3: Yeah.
0: Like we're not supposed to have it all figured out. We can't. It's infinite perspectives. Mm-hmm. It's infinite intimacy. With all beings and life, how are we supposed to have figured it all out, mm. you know? And so that's one thing I really appreciate about you guys both is not only that willingness to be both master and student simultaneously, but also the kind of audacity to have learned and in deeply, deep, in deep respect and reverence for the traditions where you come from, but also what my lineage, the Hebrew lineage teaches, is that the lineages are meant to be evolved also. It's mm-hmm. meant to apply things like what you were doing with the bodywork. That's an evolution of the lineage you were taught. Mm-hmm. And, and so like that willingness to take the wisdom of the lineage and with all reverence and respect and understanding of the, the genesis of all the ideas of where it came from, like the reasons not to eat pork in the Hebrew lineage, right? Mm-hmm. You know, trichomoniasis and, and, and all of the different issues that came with pork which may have been why this was ordained as a divine order so people would actually listen to it and you're like oh no i get it but you know like i'm gonna have my ham pasta my mom's been making it since i was three years old and just because i'm now in the hebrew lineage and also like if i'm on dieta i also respect the fund you know the fundamental ideas around that that this is a very sentient animal and the energy is very dense so i don't have my ham pasta if i leading up to an ayahuasca ceremony or coming on the back side of it so it's interesting. I think we're in a world that requires both the wisdom of the past and a deep reverence for it. And also the willingness to evolve as mm-hmm. we actually see and feel, you know, as we like to say, like anthroontologically, like a knowing in our own body, yeah. like where the, where we know that the wisdom lives within us and say, like, I see and respect all of this. And Let's see how we can evolve this and adapt this to a world that was very different from when these lineages yeah, began. I,
3: I mean, our, our modern ontological crisis, I would call it that, uh, is very distinct from yeah. what it looked like in the Amazon hundreds of years ago. It's very distinct from, and that, that's, that goes throughout many different of these wisdom traditions, not just medicine traditions. You know, even if it's ancient Tibet what yeah. it looked like there versus what it looks like today, people don't have time for four hour sadhanas where they have more right. attention span to do r- really elaborate visualizations right. anymore. So that evolution, I definitely think is needed,
0: yeah. and and to create a shared context that can allow and celebrate our diversity and also the flexibility of of what our lives are actually demanding and what collectively our lives are demanding, right? Like how can we show up to serve the world in the best way? How can we use these tools and these lineages and the, and the keepers of this wisdom to actually liberate ourselves, heal what needs to be healed and then adapt and apply that to a world that requires at this point, really all of us to show up and to help build this new story for a new humanity. You know, a new way that we can move forward. Because if we keep operating at the same level of consciousness that we have, which is extraction of everything precious from the earth, isolation from each other, mm-hmm. you know, strong ethnocentric and nationalist boundaries, and then rivalrous conflict between those different nation states, like this whole dynamic that we're in with the exponentialized risk of everything that's going on, it's time. Mm-hmm. Like if everybody's Gosh. sitting on the sidelines, like, wonder when the time is when we got to really come to it's now <laughs> it's like yesterday <laughs> like yeah. let's go yeah and
1: uh, you know just like uh, how to bring back the 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 ego mind in connection with the body which uh, from you say my, ego or ego, ego, ego yeah. you know which is language uh, linearity and logic mm-hmm. you know just like how to be, bring it back and embody it and I would say that's uh, exponentially the separation is growing in the culture that we're living and two three hundred years ago the people that were living in the jungle they were the jungle they were part right. of the jungle right then they had like one certain needs in that culture that was uh how to navigate the jungle, how to navigate the animals, how to navigate their life over there. But they didn't uh, had the separation. If you're not in contact with your instincts 200 years ago,
3: you're dead. you won't yeah. last too much. <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure. For sure. <clears throat> you know, if you're not uh, in connection with your instincts right now, you will have difficulty, but you will survive definitely in the culture that we're living. Then uh, how to bring this uh, incredible medicines to to embody the mind and uh, and and the body mm. in one.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, there's a connection. One of the things that you get in ayahuasca and many of these medicines is an undeniable connection to what I call the field. Right, it's many names for it, but it's the field of energy that's around you. You you mm. feel it. You can even see it when you're on the medicine and you're going. Let's say for a stroll to the bathroom or find yourself wandering, which I often do in Soltara, and somebody gently has to say, I love that you're enjoying the nature out here, but please come back <laughs> inside the Maloka. Yeah. But uh, but ultimately, like you'll you'll see and feel energy in the field. And I think for I can imagine that when you were part of this landscape, that you were, you were tapped into this, not just in the medicine space, but as like a daily waking reality so it wasn't like did i see that snake because i was vigilant it's like you could probably feel it especially if it was you know there and hostile in any way is there is there a, a jaguar out in the trees where well, you're not supposed to see them but if you're tapped in you could you could feel it and uh, you know that there is this research that is going on which is our body
1: knows with uh, uh a lot before our mind even registered uh, the 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 thing that is moving you know Mm. our body needs to know what it is and if it's like something that will harm us or something that will will not harm us right then uh, in this case you need to rely on on your body telling you what's going on way before your mind can can uh, elaborate the strategy Mm. you know of what to do and this idea of the three mind, one of the mind is like the cognitive mind, the body mind, and the field mind, what you're you're talking about. Yeah. And going back to the culture that we're living, or not only North American, you know, just a European and just like global culture, which are, we are uh, so much more enclosed in our mind than you know, in
0: our embodied consciousness. Yeah, and we, and we think of our mind as what's between our eyes, but actually our whole body <laughs> our whole body thinks, you of know, course. from our stomach, which they're now at least calling the second brain, Yeah. you know, because of the neurotransmitters that are created. But there's, you know, uh, the ability to actually receive information and process information through the entire body. And this is one of the problems that I think, you know, people on the cutting edge are posing with artificial intelligence is it's, intelligence that's disconnected from a somatic experience where so much knowledge wisdom actually comes from like we think with our whole body and if anybody you know has any questions about that then you know take six deep breaths and watch how your thoughts and your consciousness changes and there's (laughs) studies that actually show that go for a run Yeah. see how that see how that changes things you know get in the shower and let the water fall on you. See how that changes things. Like Go in the
1: cold plunge. Go in the cold plunge, right. <laughs> yeah. Like
0: it's, it's all connected and it's all a continuum. So the split between mind, body, and spirit is just false. This of Cartesian course. split, it's bullshit. It's yeah. all the same thing, just at a different density. Yeah. And that's a lesson like repeatedly found in these medicine journeys as you start to dissolve the boundaries. And yes, there's a locus of identity where all right, there's a lot of flesh here all right, there's a lot of thought here. All right. There's a lot of spirit here, I think, but actually the elemental scale makes more sense than mind, body, spirit. It's like, all right, we got the ether part of us, you know, which is even when we actually step outside of our mind into like the greater mind of quantum possibility, the void. And then we have our air mind, which is thinking and thoughts. And then we have our, you know, water mind which is the turbulent emotions the fire the eros the energy that moves through us and then we have the earth which is the density but all of them interpermeate each other and so we're these elemental beings that really you know one of the gifts and blessings of the medicine is it reminds us of this truth it doesn't doesn't like tell us that's the other thing about medicine is people are so worried that the medicine is going to like tell you something like it has an agenda, <laughs> you know, like it's going to tell me to be a yoga instructor. No, <laughs> if you want to be a yoga instructor, it'll, you'll tell yourself that you want to be a yoga instructor. You know, it's like, it's not going to, it doesn't have, it doesn't have an opinion. And you know, that's not like everybody who does ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is always telling them to be a yoga instructor. Like, no, it's not how it works. It's like, it's working with you. It's a conversation. I, I think it's opening,
1: my my way to see it is opening spaces inside of us that we don't have so much contact with or we haven't like actually, or we forgot to to listen to. Yeah. You know, that's uh, my particular way of, being, of, of seeing it.
0: Yeah. You I know. agree. So let's go, let's go for a vignette from inside uh, an ayahuasca ceremony. And it was night two. We we're sitting with El Dragon <laughs> and... I'm, I mean, his brew is strong. We're down in Soltara where you guys were, um, you know, kind of the lead facilitators who are in support of the space as well as, you know, maestro. And, uh, and that was opened up partly because he did a diet with maestro Orlando, um, at an earlier time. So you had a relationship and typically he conducts all of the song, all of the Icaros and sometimes a harmonica, but typically all the Icaros for the space. And so, I'm kind of, I've heard his ikaros for now 12 years in different ceremonies, like 12 (laughs) ceremonies I've sat with him. And then I hear this one and I was like, this must be the most magical thing he's ever done. (laughs) He sounds like a woman. (laughs) And I thought for the whole ceremony (laughs) that he transformed into a feminine spirit and sung this radically new Icaro. (laughs) And I'm like talking about it and somebody's like, no, that was Jen, fool. Like, what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, oh. But it was so powerful. It just mm. hit right at this moment where the medicine was like cresting on the precipice. And, and we call this, but that when the medicine kind of sets collectively in the field, the mariacion, when it like opens up and it was like right about to open and you just lay this song and it just like burst the field open in this incredibly mm. powerful way. So I guess, you know, just talking about that, you know, and maybe that moment, but using that moment is just an avatar of the general of like how you use your medicine songs to actually adjust the collective space, what's called the mariación and like what that feels like to you and what that feels like kind of collectively.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of, and you know, I can't speak for all traditions, but certainly within the Shipibo tradition, um, you were asking before, of like, how do you know if you're ready to run a ceremony? Kind of what's the initiatory process? And part of that is in the training. It's learning how to bring the Mariacion up and learning how to bring it down. And if you can't do those two things, then you shouldn't be running a ceremony. Right. And um so I mean in that particular, that particular moment in that ceremony, that's that was what I was coming in and doing in the collective field. So generally when I'm running a ceremony, you know, I drink the medicine and I'm waiting for the medicine, for the mariacion. So mariacion, for those, for anybody who doesn't speak Spanish, it just means seasickness, literally, but it's the term that refers to the effect of the medicine. And so the effect of the medicine isn't just one thing. It's not. It's not just visions. It's not just a sense of nausea. It can be a, um, a collective of all of those things, or it can kind of just be like you feel the spirit yeah. moving in you, in your body, oh. in your energy body. And so whenever I feel the Mariation starting to come on, I I start singing. And so, you know, I think, I think in that particular ceremony, Orlando had been, he'd been saying to me the ceremony before saying, 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 and I was sitting there like, oh, this isn't my ceremony to run. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. sing. And at the end of the ceremony, he was like, you didn't sing. Why? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's your ceremony. And so that ceremony, I was like, okay, my Maria Jan is here. And I was feeling into the collective space. Okay, let's, let's bring it up and even it out. Like, like, have it be like a ship at sea that's found its balance and has the wind in its sails Mm -hmm. and is journeying. And so that's, that's in that particular moment, what was going on. I can't remember everything that was going on because it's myriad and it's too much to articulate. Of
0: course. And everybody has their own, even though it's collective, everybody has their own particular lens that, that you see through. Exactly. So here's, you know, Here, from my understanding, I've sat with you know many different traditions. Um, Well, many of the Peruvian traditions, the main ones, mestizo, Quechua, and Mm Shipibo. And so, what I find is that in the Quechua and mestizo traditions that I've sat with, there's particularly one shaman who's kind of conducting ceremony for the whole space. Mm -hmm. And in that space, they are adjusting the collective mariacion, the collective energy. And being like, you know, for lack of a better word, it's like the DJ or a maestro of the symphony where they're actually conducting what's happening in the energetics of the space, you know. And in the Shipibo tradition, it's a little bit different the way that I've experienced it at Sotara in that everybody is getting individual Icaros. Mm-hmm. So it feels a lot more like instead of individual cocoons in a, in a very strongly established collective cocoon, because everybody has their own prism, their own experience, and I call that like a cocoon. It feels like the, the strength of the individualized cocoon is stronger in the Shapibo tradition because each song is individual to you and the uh, maestro or maestra will sing you the song, often the same song, but sing you the song that you need at that moment, right? And then the collective space is this kind of, swirling energy of all the individual songs but they're not conducting necessarily the collective they're conducting the individual
3: they actually are
0: okay so that's that's what i don't that's what i don't feel yeah. as much
3: yeah so it well it's i mean they're there's a lot of different strategies and styles of running a ceremony. Um, and again, I'm, I'm mainly speaking to the Shipibo because that's what I, I have, you know, I've experienced obviously Quechua, Mestizo, um, little bit of Asha Inca as well, Mm -hmm. but Shipibo, um, there's always a coming back to the collective. So, you know, I I can speak for myself, but I can also speak for having been in thousands upon thousands of Shipibo ceremonies with anywhere from one to eight Shipibo maestros working and maestros working at the same time, um, and so you know when you have one, it's different as to when you have two. Two generally there's a balance between a male and a female.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, when you have eight, it's it's an orchestra.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, or more than two really. But there's always kind of a coming back to the collective because whenever energies are moving, say for example, there's there's one person who is res- receiving an Icaro and some energy moves out of them, then that energy is in the space. Um, there is a collective field that that energy can go out and start affecting other people. And so anyone who's a good person, Healer, a good space holder in that realm will be able to clean that energy, move it out of the space. Or, for example, if I'm working on somebody on one side of the room and I'm feeling something happening on the other side of the room, I I might start in the middle of that ikaro for one person, and work on somebody and with across.
2: Consciousness,
0: them. yeah, yeah. Just just it's, it's, it's it's with
3: it. the yeah. intention.
0: Like
2: right.
3: one of the main distinctions between the shapibo way of working um, is that the intention of doing dietas, so a a plant dieta where you're focusing with anywhere from one to a number of plants that you're ingesting for anywhere from a week to a year, two years, it can be different lengths. um, The intention of that is to open the body, mind, to open the sense doors to be able when the aspirant, the apprentice, sits in front of a patient to be able to open to that person and take them in, feel what they're feeling,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, experience them from the inside out. So it's 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 a co-creation. It's a symbiotic dance that's happening.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I have I have a very not very, but I have a different take on this than a traditional shapibo would. So I also want to speak to that because. Part of what I notice in the Shipibo tradition is that th- there's a lot of focus on defense. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm here, I'm in front of you, I'm working on you. There's some energy that I'm considering a bad energy. Yeah. Um, maybe it's evoking my fear or my aversion in some way or another. I have I have all of these plants that can step forward that can just get it the fuck out of the way. Just, right. you know, Um For me, when I'm working with someone, if something comes forward and say it stimulates my fear or it stimulates insecurity or it stimulates sadness, it it triggers a different feeling in me, I take that as my unintegrated place that I need to work on too. And then I get the opportunity to work that with you as I'm working with you, not just on you. Yeah. So...
0: Yeah, I, I think this is an uh, this is an evolution of you know of these lineage understandings, which is also uh, a part of the understanding that I share as well. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's a position of non aversion
2: mm-hmm. in a
0: way. It's a position of almost Christ like radical acceptance. And certain times, the energy's got to get the fuck out of there. The, you know, uh, it's like it, it's like definitely. it is both, but the, but the the Ultimate overarching is not defense. And I think, you know, the terminology, if I'm using it right, is so I was I was speaking with Amerigo, and he was talking about booman, mm-hmm. you know, which is like the negative energy that can come from a plant, a person, yourself, or whatever booman, this negative, negative energy. And then if you're not careful, you could get choked hard. You could get blocked up by someone's booman. So you're like, you're, you got your shields up, you got your defenses there. But in that you're creating a a strong duality dynamic.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: And, you know, so while it's not wrong, (laughs) it's not like we're saying, no, you're wrong. We're saying there's another way. There's another way to look at us as a a being that spans the entirety of a complicated and broad polarity.
2: Yeah.
0: And that even this negative energy, part of the one of the ways that you can transmute it is to see it, to witness it. To love it. Mm-hmm. And this is something that Valna shared. She went down to Colombia to work with both of you individually. What a treat. and diet uh, a plant called Marosa. And she you know expressed the stories of how you guys worked with these things and energies that were coming through, including this energy that had bothered her in her neck, which actually felt a bit like a vampiric energy. And she told the story, and I'll let you carry on if you remember the story. About what you guys told her about how to approach the energy, because you could have taken it like, "All right, I'm gonna call in my badass plants here,
2: yeah.
0: and uh, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna fucking, we're gonna destroy this boomon that's that's here, and then go to battle with anybody who placed it on you, and let's fucking fight, you know, let's 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 tape the tape the hands, get in our get in our you know, attacking master plants and defending master plants and destroy." But you guys had a much different approach and it, it really worked to liberate her from this thing that probably would have come back if you guys even expelled it in that one moment. Well, you wanna, if you want to
1: say it, then after that, <laughs> I
0: will say what I want to
3: say. I mean, yeah, in that, in that moment of that work, um, it was interesting because... We kind of have a combination of, of, you know, working in a way of processing and speaking Mm -hmm. and then also doing the shamanic work. So it's kind of a a fluid dance between the two of them.
0: Loved that, by the way. Yeah. That was like, she said it was just such a treat to be able to not have to deal with all of your own thoughts all Mm. by yourself, Mm. you know, the whole time, but to be able to both step into the trance, the Mariacion trance that ayahuasca can give and process individually, but also like Mm. check in, like, Hey, how are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you feeling?
3: So, I mean, she, you know, she, she let us know um, that something was really strong for her. And I came over, I started working on her. And when I was working on her, um, it was like, you know what you're saying about there. There is a time to step in with a level of uh, fierceness and force, and there's also a time to step in with doing like a little bit more of a tricky dance. Like, okay, how do how how are we going to work here? Do I have to dodge and get you from this side? And I was trying all kinds of things with this energy, and it was not responding to pushing at all. What it was responding to was gentleness and love and a kind of a quality of inquiry. and that was in that was in the song with the with these different plants that were coming through that are they're small aromatic plants. They're plants that are filled with love, plants that are filled with light, plants that have a more like subtle nuanced, delicate way of working, which Marosa is one of. And after doing that work, it's like it it loosened, it got space. And then it kind of, kind of another round of it came back. And then we started this inquiry of, of just really having her make contact with the feeling itself. Because a lot of the time when there's a feeling that um, elicits a reaction, just that, it elicits a reaction. And the reaction has a charge of, I don't want this. Like, get this away from me. Fuck off. Um that's a really good indication that there's something there and that the pushing against is only going to create a further pushing
0: back Right. from
3: like, it's like, that's, that's the hook. That's what it wants. That key, yeah, it wants exactly. That's its food.
0: Yeah. That's its food. It's, like, it's the resistance.
3: Gotcha. Exactly.
0: Yeah. If you get in a fight with a demon, demons like perfect. Yeah, I'm here all day. Yeah, and we, can know, call what, it, we can
3: call what? it a demon. We can call, we can you can call it. I think a really good way to call it is just simple aversion.
0: Sure, that's the that's and, the and simplest I'm not, I'm most not universal. Claiming that this thing was a demon. I yeah. have encountered actual demons, and yeah. still the response, like the last response, like the last thing option is fight, yeah. because if you do step into fight. You better be damn sure that you're a good fighter <laughs> and that you're going to win, right? Like you have to have supreme confidence because a lot of it is a confidence game. Sure, it's a course. belief game. Sure, you better trust your diets. Yeah. You better trust your skills. You better trust the moves that you have. Yeah. But love is going to be a much better, a much more powerful tool to use. It's the most powerful tool in the cosmos, yeah. right? So it's like you can, you can fight with your, you know, with your aggression, but actually, if you meet it with love, the, it's the greatest chance for alchemy or just creating a field of energy, a vibrational field, which is no longer resonant for that entity or energy to be there, however dark it may appear. And ask the simple question, what do you need?
3: Which is, that was the question that really blew my Which is mind. exactly what we asked her. First, it was just like making contact with the feeling. And then just like, what is what is this feeling needing? From you. You know,
1: just going, dropping under the level of like, that's bad or that's good, and just feeling the vibration of this space. Yeah. And we all have these kind of spaces inside of us, which is our needs, hasn't been satisfied. Gabriel Matter says really well something that hasn't, shouldn't have happened, happened, or something that should have happened, didn't happen, mm-hmm. you know. And that's like, uh, basically, whatever just shouldn't have happened, happened. Or wherever that's it, small parts of our soul just isolate and its needs are not met. Mm -hmm. Then what kind of space we can open in this powerful, powerful medicines and just like reconsider again the needs of that space. Because it's been tried, Avery. I tried personally for so much years, you know, to vomit my fear or to vomit my um, tender spaces that are being like violated from whatever happened in my my personal history. You know, and I always say that whenever we get together with Jen, actually, you know, another level of my healing started, which is the feeling, the level of healing, which is like to to start putting attention to my needs and eventually satisfying them. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it before on my own. And sometimes I could do it and sometimes I cannot do it. But a little bit of
0: help from friends can be a really, right. really
1: good way to approach it. Yeah. We'll to <laughs> yeah,
0: And I just want to let everybody know, if Valco was unable to vomit his fear entirely, <laughs> he is the best <laughs> vomiter on the planet Earth. If you hear Valko vomit, you'll realize that there's levels to the game and he's the ultimate vomiting black belt. It's so goddamn impressive when you hear you vomit. So if it doesn't work for you, it's not going to work for any of us. Maybe temporarily, maybe it takes a little pressure off, but it's not going to be the only tool. Yeah, exactly. So going back to, so you asked, sorry, what is, and, and Vi, of course, doesn't mind me sharing this, you know, We've, we've shared it as well openly because so she's really, you know, proud of this moment and, and and really in great praise for you guys. So you asked right, what does this need? And she says, it needs, it needs, it wants, or what does it want? And she said, power. She said, it wants power. And then I believe it was you, Valko, the way she told the story. You asked her a very interesting follow-up question. So if it
1: has power, you know, what's, what will give her power? Yeah. Actually what's why you need
0: power. Why does that why does that energy need power?
2: Yeah.
1: Or if you have power, what you will what will happen?
0: Yeah. And ultimately the answer that emerged from the field was safety. Mm Yeah. So this energy, which you could look at as this attacking booman of some sort, all of a sudden you realize, oh, it just wants to be safe. You know, the, the, the quality of the energy depends on
1: the quality of relationship that you establish with the energy. Exactly. And that's, uh, I think, is really, really really good way of saying like,
3: it. Like, like, you know, if ever you're in a situation where there's conflict and someone in the midst of that conflict softens and brings in some aspect of their vulnerability, opens to some tenderness or love, in that moment, it shifts the whole dynamic. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't change it immediately, but it brings it brings more space in rather than this tension. It just brings a kind of a softening and an opening.
1: I just want to give you a personal example of works that we did in some moment of time. Uh, a guy was just like uh, in the midst of ayahuasca ceremony and he's like a bear. He's just basically becoming a bear. Mm. And we look each other with Jen and Jen's So go and check what's going on over there. And I go over there and it's <laughs> like, how are you doing? What's going on? And it's like, this is bad energy. And I'm just like dropping under what he's saying and just feeling him. And I didn't feel something that was like actually bad, you know, or something that we need to take out or whatever. Mm. And I just... I was like, okay, let's feel, let's feel in some moment. Just like I just hug him. Yeah. And we stayed like four or five minutes on hug. Yeah. And after that, and just like felt his body like really getting like uh relaxed, a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more relaxed. That was it. And next day we were speaking. I was like, I need to tell you what's happening. I was like, tell me what happened. I was like, why are you all hugging me? I just like was seeing this. He was calling it a demon. <laughs> you know, I was seeing this demon and in some moment it just converted to self in, a, in an angel. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that happened quite a while ago and uh, reading a little bit more books and going deeper in my own needs and my own personal work, I just understood that, uh, uh, you know, this energy inherently, they're energy without content.
0: The content is how we relate with these energies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, in, in my own interaction with these energies in, you know, 24 years of medicine work, I've encountered plenty of them and I've started to recognize that there's a very special and beautiful role that when an image, a vision appears to you, in its demonic form which we know what that looks like we see it in movies and stuff and maybe i don't know what came first the visions of these or the movies or art imitates life whoever Obviously, however these ideas were planted in our minds it's like the chicken or the egg, yeah, right? exactly I think. but there's often horns it's often red and black it's often kind of gnarly skulls like yeah. you know like halloween doesn't have it too far off right like you often you'll see these things but there's this beautiful opportunity where you can imagine that that's appearing to you to test your unconditionality of love, to to test the Christ consciousness that's within us all. And it's almost like the darker the being, the more it's asking you, can you love me too? And almost like it's asking that to God and and us as participatory in the field of the divine. It's like asking us and the divinity within us, can you love me too? Even when I'm dripping in blood, even when I have fangs, even when, you know, even when I have horns, like, can you love me too? And, and like, that's this beautiful, beautiful invitation that all of this quote demonic energy is offering is just saying, can you love me too?
3: And I would also add to that, um, that all that those energies actually want is love Mm -hmm. at the end of it.
0: Yeah. And, and that's, and anybody physically acting out in ways that are demonic in real life, right? Like a lot of, a lot of the pathology there is they've crossed a threshold where they no longer feel that they're deserving of love. They've never been given love. And so they are switching the name of the game and they're embracing the opposite force of that, which is power to feel safe because they don't feel loved and so often there's this unworthiness of love this shame that we hold inside that says we don't deserve love we aren't worthy of love and but actually all we really want is love so even the demonic actions that we see played out are played out precisely because of an absence of love even if someone claims like i don't want love i want power you're like no you don't you just don't feel like you can receive it you feel like maybe you've Cross too far or you've gone but this is the the lesson and message of that ultimate availability for, for redemption and, and love the, that can that can come to anybody or anything and in a way it's a self protection
1: mechanism too exactly you know? i don't want to open myself because i know what will happen
0: it'll get From, taken away my quote heart will be broken exactly
1: right. you know and that's really interesting what happened with me like recently in ceremony which was like uh, uh, I got spun to like really deep spaces where I felt in love. And a uh, big part of the ceremony was like how I can open my my heart again to love. And in the midst of that ceremony, I was just having this implicit uh, implicit understanding of like this heart is made to be broken and is made to be a Mm -hmm. And that's uh, basically the intrinsic process of uh, how human beings grow. Yeah. You know, which is throughout the pain of feeling the brokenness or the loss or whatever it was, and just coming back to this feeling and letting the the organism and uh, the, what's the word? uh, The natural process of the organism basically re what was broken. Right. And we all have that. That's like uh, the
0: process of becoming a human being. And when you have that larger context for understanding us, then even in your brokenness, you know, one of my favorite songs is Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. And he mm-hmm. talks about the holy and the broken hallelujahs, mm-hmm. that it's all a hallelujah. It's yeah. all a hallelujah, which is the expression of presence of the divinity, right? it's all a hallelujah in your holiness and in your brokenness, you know, it's all, it's all there. And if you just have that, just thread of faith and don't get tricked by the voices that'll say it's all gone. It's all lost. You'll never <laughs> recover. You know, now's the point of no return. Just don't listen to that and say like, no, no, no. Like I understand it's always holy and broken hallelujah. And it's always going to be that all of those parts are going to be inside us, but to just Trust that the love is always there, even if you can't see it. And don't listen to those voices that try to tell you otherwise, because that's what really spins you out. Yeah. This is the journey, you know, and this This is the journey. It's so, you can hear this, right? And you can listen to us and you can kind of get it. But you're still gonna have to go through it. that's uh, the that's the thing. like we uh, don't we don't learn by listening to people I, I, on a podcast, really? It's, it's I mean an
2: experiential I, I have a journey. friend that's,
1: yeah. Uh... Uh, I have a friend from Barcelona that always says like, it's one thing to put your fingers in the wall circuit <laughs> <laughs> and experience it. It's another thing to hear the story, how somebody put their fingers in the yeah. wall circuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. exactly. and you need to do it. And that's the beauty of life. You know, we are alive over here and we have this short time.
2: Mm. You
1: know, we don't know how long is this short time of like a, uh, uh, just seeing the marvelous and the beauty of this world and why, one, why we will not participate into it. And mm-hmm. one, of, one of the process of participation is just uh, revisit these spaces that are being deeply wounded. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And
3: Amen. if you don't know what those spaces are that are the deeply wounded spaces, it's just what are you resisting? Mm-hmm. And go towards what you're resisting rather than away from it.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. So I just want to take a moment to pause this conversation to let you guys know that we are opening up our Fit for Service core program to invite more people who are called to service, who are called for the evolution and healing of themselves, for access to a greater community, a greater sense of purpose, who want to join the Fit for Service program, which has been absolutely exceptional thus far this year. And we have two more summits coming up. One focused very much on an intensity of initiation from Sweat Lodge that's going to be led by the legendary Waira, who's also been on the podcast, to Sacred Combat, to Ecstatic Dance, to Breathwork, and then also our flagship Jewel Summit of the Year in Sedona, as well as all of our online coaching practice and the lifelong access to our digital community. So if you're interested go to aubreymarcus.com slash fitforservice or also you can go to fitforservice.com, put in your application and we look forward to meeting and welcoming all of you into our community and into an opportunity to discover and find your own truest, highest soul song that incorporates all aspects of yourself and also allows the support of not only the coaches, the speakers, and the experiences, but really a group of peers, of fellow travelers of the way that can really help, as Charles Eisenstein would say, make sanity a group project and help us all actually connect to a deeper purpose that is incredibly meaningful and is really necessary to help us sort out all of our personal challenges, include them, and transcend them into a greater story So I look forward to meeting some of you on the inside for the second half of the year for our Fit for Service Core program. Once again, aubreymarcus.com slash fitforservice or fitforservice.com. The question is, are you ready to play a bigger game? The first half of this year's Fit for Service Core Summit has been unbelievable. The community that's come together, everything we've been able to experience together has been absolutely outrageous. And we've realized that there's more capacity for the second half of the year and the world needs it now more than ever. This is the time to come together and stand and find our own personal sovereignty and power, find a community that can support us in this time in between stories, in this time where we have to come together to build a new human and a new humanity. So we're opening up the second half of the year. That's gonna be all the digital content, access to the coaches and two new summits. The first summit is brand new and it's designed to be intense, it's gonna be an initiation. Everything from intense breath work, shamanic ecstatic dance, sweat lodge practices, to sacred competitions, just some basics of martial arts training. It's gonna be really beautiful out on our farm in Lockhart. And then of course, there's the pearl of fit for service, which is the Sedona summit, which always blows everything out of the water in October. So, if you're interested and you want to join Fit for Service, we're opening up applications to a select group of people, and we would love to welcome you to our community at the time when the world needs us the most. So, if you're interested, please apply, and I hope to see you on the inside. Well, I have to give you guys an immense amount of credit for saying yes to receiving facilitation from Vailana and I mm. for our signature ceremony. Which is the god bomb? Now, I've been a sitter in ceremonies, you know, for I don't know, probably eighteen years. It started twenty four years ago, and you know, if, if my buddies wanted to experience mushrooms, I would just be there with them, taking some mushrooms and kind of keeping the rails on, but never facilitating. Right? I didn't feel like I really had the proficiency. I didn't have the inner voice inside my mind that said like no, no, like it's, you're ready to facilitate. That took 22 years to develop. And it actually took a particular, a particular stack of medicine, which is the ketamine and cannabis. Fortunately, as a blessing, those both happen to be legal in most States in the U S. And finally it was like, all right, like you're ready to step into facilitating this medicine. But of course, you know, we're young in our facilitation journey and you guys are veterans, you know, having done so many diets and so many ceremonies. So the first bit of credit is you guys were like, yeah, we'll do it with you guys. You know, we'll do it. I was like, yeah, amazing. And also like, wow, I'm going to, I'm going to find out real quick if I got, if we have our shit together or if they're going to come out of that and be like, that was a circus. What are you guys doing? You know, like stick to podcasting, bro. Like, uh, so it was, it was kind of a big, it was kind of a big moment. Um, when you guys, you know, said, said yes to that. And, uh, and it was such a beautiful experience because what my experience is. So I apprenticed with my brother, Parangi in a particular type of body work, and also, you know, just trust the intuition of stepping into this shared field. And my experience of the ketamine and the cannabis is the ketamine. I call it star medicine. It opens us up to really the void of all possibility kind of removes the locus of attention from, you know, our own body and mind into this larger field the cosmic field, if you will. But the cannabis actually anchors and brings alive, you know, elements of the body, you know, the way that the body actually and the somatic experience and the lessons it have, and the same with the body work. The body work then moves as you do in the tobacco, like moves to find areas where things are blocked or where there's old trauma that's being stored in the body or whatever it might be, or joy or giggles or laughter or wherever, yeah. wherever it might go. <clears throat> and of course, it's only kind of one person at a time and the other person's kind of on deck and in sharing the, sharing the field, but it's, it's one person on the table at a time. And uh so first of all I guess we'll start with you know why would you guys say yes <laughs> like what what was it what was it about was it about you know what was it about you know was it about something about Vi and I or just curiosity you just guys just down with whatever you know like what was that? what was the comment? what was the reason I, I would oh,
3: certainly gosh. not say and this is to give you guys credit that we're certainly not down with whatever um you know I I've <laughs> never it, it's been many many years since I've worked with cannabis never taken ketamine before in my life,
2: mm-hmm. that was but the first one, yeah.
3: it felt, yeah. it just felt right. Yeah. And that's, that that's was the, it. It yeah. just felt right with you guys. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll share some of the things that, you know, without, you know, trying to step over anything too personal that you guys share the experience, but, um, you know, trying to recall this, I believe it was you, who was on the table first, Vako, yeah. is that right? Yeah. So you had the kind of first opening into the experience. What did it feel like when, you know, this particular type of mariación, this particular type of medicine opened for you? You know, I, first of all, like you said, I never done
1: ketamine in my life. And it uh-huh. was like really interesting because it was like the substance, Taking taking over, and it's been years and years and years. I haven't uh, done marijuana either. Uh, what for me was it was the directness. Just it went directly to the part of my being that I've been working so long with, mm-hmm. which is uh, certain feelings and certain emotions that are still. I'm just like peeling the layers right. with this one and just went. Just straight into it, yeah. And what uh, what was the surprising part was what you guys were doing, and especially with the smells
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just like
0: visions of. Uh, so we use essential oils yeah. to kind of open up worlds, and and, and definitely and felt ideas. like that. It was opening the worlds that were coming, you know. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, you know one particular scent that I use. Um, and it's from a company called Floracopia, and we're actually making our own sense now, which I'm really excited about, but I love this sense called forest. It's a blend. Mm-hmm. And I remember taking you into the forest yeah. and there was also, and this is actually an experience that was with both of you. I could feel all of your plant spirits, all of your plant diets that were there with you. So as the space opened, it was an invitation because I always invite all of the guides and allies to be there. But as the space was opening, I could just feel that the plants were, were there, present. And so I wanted to give them an invitation and, and say like, you're welcome here, like all of you. So I was like, las plantas, las plantas, las plantas. <laughs> and I could just feel the space getting richer and like pulsating and intermingling where for both of you, like all of your diets kind of opened up into the space. And then with the forest which is not a jungle, which is where most of the plants are that you have dieted, but it's still the concept. I don't have a scent called jungle. <laughs> I don't know if that would even smell good. <laughs> if it was a scent <laughs> called jungle, maybe. We could figure it out. But, uh, but it, the, the scent was called forest and it, was, and it used that to just call in all the plants. And I remember that was, for me, one of the first like kind of remarkable experiences was just to feel how very real The diet, the dietas that you guys have been in, like these plants are inside your own spirit body and they're not, yes, they're available to call externally as their own beings and their own spirits, but they also like live inside both of you. And it was just magical to behold, you know, how, how the plants showed up. You, you need certain
1: states of consciousness to see all the diets and all this work that has that been done. And uh, for me, it was a surprise, like, uh, actually feeling it in the combination that, that was the marijuana and the, mm-hmm. the ketamine. Yeah. You know, I've had, like, uh, experiences where I felt it and saw it with uh, ayahuasca, with tobacco, with another mind. Uh,
3: like with
2: iboga.
1: Yeah, with iboga yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And uh, just one part of this work that for me was really personally uh, really significant was like uh, the male energy that you represent, you know. Yeah. And uh, I probably mentioned it back then, I don't remember. But uh, now it just comes back since we are talking about that experience, you know, in my personal experience uh, the masculinist uh, was really represented dysfunctional masculine. Yeah. Then that's uh, still a part that I'm working and just being able like just to grab your hand or just to put yeah. my hand on, on your shoulder was like a, really
0: like a central pillar, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember with you, a lot of the journey was, you know, sometimes there's a lot that has to be done somatically, and, you know, I, I definitely did my spiral and, and worked the different parts, but so much of it was a sense of brotherhood yeah. and a sense of like a restoration of faith in the masculine that, that I was going to be this. So my my head, we'll my cheek, you know, I'm I'm behind your head. So you're on a massage table and you're facing upwards to give people a picture. And then so I'm just leaning in and my head's like right next to your head, my hands on your heart, your hand is like over my hand and we're just... There together. And it was this, this feeling of like, I'm here with you, brother. Oh. Like I'm really, really here with you. And, and whatever, whatever struggle, whatever challenge you're going through, like I'm here, even if I'm in another, another state, another country, another state of mind, whatever, like I'm always here. And this is, this is, this is, a, this is brotherhood. And I, and I really, really felt that it wasn't just like, Oh, I'm applying this therapeutic thing called brotherhood no it's real and it's i still feel it when i saw you outside of this podcast place it was like there's my (laughs) fucking brother baco and we we use the wolves as kind of a metaphor like and we still have a, a group text called the pack yeah because it was like you know because of this relationship with the masculine you know i think there's a part of you that's been a lone wolf in a way especially as it's related to other masculine wolves yeah and of course you have the deep bond with Jen, which is obviously representing a deep connection with the feminine. And of course, you have, I'm sure you have other beautiful male relationships. I'm not saying this was the only one, but there was a way in which it was like having another brother who was there with you just felt like kind of that that really key key element that was really established
1: and, in that And ceremony. in that moment, exactly that part activated, which was like the unintegrated masculine and Having integrated masculine to support an integrated masculine, it was like a weighty down uh, under language processes that uh, I cannot even like think about it, but I definitely could feel it. Yeah. 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 But so, oh, no. uh, I really liked the the ceremony. Yeah,
0: that was a good one. <laughs> I remember you saying that. You're like, oh boy, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. So, uh, and then so you were up you were up next for the table, Jen. And, uh, and I remember this, I've never done this before. And I had no idea why I was doing it, but before I did any body work on you at all, my hands just moved gently to your hair and you have very long hair. Mm-hmm. And it was like a way in which, cause I'm particularly, you know, with both men and women, there's, It's a slow process. It's not like you're going in for rolfing where it's like, I'm immediately going in and it's going to be elbows and it's going to be, you know, heavy body work. It can get intense, but it's, it's building trust with the energetic field and with the body field and however long that takes. Sometimes that's, you know, an hour and a half of just building trust depending on whoever's on the table. But the first place that I was directed by, you know, by the spirit that was moving through me was to like, welcome your hair Mm. into the space. And I forget exactly the words that I was saying, but it was just like this deep honoring of your hair. And then you expressed actually that there's, you know, an aspect of what the hair means in your own kind of lineage, in your own tradition. So if if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing like what the hair actually symbolizes, I thought that was really interesting.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's not just one tradition, but firstly with the Shipibos, um, one of the maestros who I dieted with, um, he shared with me that this isn't as much a common practice now, but ancestrally it was a practice for both the men and the women to grow their hair and that if they were a, a Onaya, um, a, a medicine person, that the energy of their diets are stored in their hair. very similar to other Native American tribes who believe that there's energy held in the hair and also similar to um, Eastern traditions, the tantric yogic traditions, um, tantric tibetan buddhist traditions mm-hmm. as well have beliefs like that that energy of practice held in the hair
2: mm-hmm.
3: so it was like a lot of shakti in the hair yeah no doubt and um it was really um it was really deep when you started in that way it was it, it made it like immediately clear that your connection first of all to whatever you were channeling Mm -hmm. was very clear and very precise Mm -hmm. because when you started in my hair and just, you know, I don't recall all of the words that you were saying, but it was kind of like, I do remember like this hair has seen a lot. Mm -hmm. It's been through a lot Mm -hmm. and kind of just the way that you entered in that way. Um, just really helped me to open and soften right away into a space of total like okay you have permission right come in
0: right and that's and that's what it that's what it it always feels like it's like taking the time to Mm -hmm. get full permission Mm -hmm. especially with the feminine Mm -hmm. right especially because of you know, there is a lot of predatory masculine and masculine by itself is not predatory, nor is it by itself violent. And I think it's important to disambiguate this because we get toxic masculine as if those things are always equivalent. You know, I think even James Cameron had a tweet where he was like, Matt, like, testosterone is a poison that needs to be purged from the collective. It's like, no, it's not. Mm. You know, this is like a part of the human organism. Exactly. It wouldn't
3: be part of us if it was (laughs) toxic. It's
0: right. It's like, it's like really disambiguating (laughs) that. However, we all, many of us and some to a greater degree have experienced toxic masculinity, Mm -hmm. have experienced predatory masculinity. Mm -hmm. And so particularly in the feminine, there's, it's like, I will never move without, it's not about verbal permission. It's not like, "All right, can I touch your shoulders now?" Like I could ask that if I if that if the words were really necessary, but it's not that. It's like le- it's the legitimate conversation with the body and the spirit, and and waiting, and just waiting until that until that invitation is there. And that was definitely a part of what was guided for the hair, and it, mm-hmm. and started to build that sense of trust, which is really so necessary in the field to do the, to do the deep work. Yeah,
3: exactly. And so that, you know, what Volko expressed of like going right there, just no beating around it, just right to the core material mm-hmm. of what's there. And certainly as you were working, you know, working your way from one arm to one leg to mm-hmm. the other leg, to the other arm, Um it was like, Each of the pieces somatically in my body that over, you know, years of doing this work with medicines, not just medicines, but, um, you know, psycho-spiritual work as well. And medicines also being a tool of lighting that noticing up, bringing those things to the surface. Um, It was like each of those key pieces was right on the surface Mm -hmm. with you as you went yeah you know throughout my body
0: and in the meantime vailana is you know doing this incredible combination of kind of Mm -hmm. space holding magical work applying her feminine energy and there's a real kind of combination of both of our energies which also intermingle in the space this Mm -hmm. hieros gamos kind of energetic of the masculine and feminine that works so uh i'm Speaking from my experience, because I'm the only one here. There's no secret violon under the table. Like, here I am. But she, of course, has her <laughs> oh, own. Oh, wait, there she <laughs> is. Yeah. And then, of course, she goes into the sound healing and, and the singing, which is yeah, which absolutely is amazing. stunning. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, as we moved, as you said, we moved around the body and there was, you know, different emotions and different sadnesses in different places and different, you know, catharsis mm. that was available you know, which is, you know, that's another big part of many of these medicines. It's just like, what is, what is stored? Where are the wells and reservoirs of tears that haven't been cried Mm. or other emotions that haven't been felt? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, and then, all right. So then there's one (laughs) moment in particular, and I think it was, and again, I'd made my way around, you know, spiraled around the body and I was back similarly to Valco, like kind of like, you know, cheek like like ear to ear with you in a way like kind of like right like right by like right by your ears and and there was another feeling of like an alliance is what i felt with like kind of like the the gentle divine aspect of the masculine which of course falco embodies in such a beautiful way but to feel that it's not just this isn't just falco this is this is an energy that's out there it seemed like that had a played some part of the role in a in a kind of release for you as well. And then there was another energy that came on the on the backside of that. But let me just see if I'm tracking like if that if that resonates for kind of what, what you were feeling in the moment before.
3: Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. I mean I think you know, similarly to Volko, um, the way that you held space as a man. And in that gentle way, but really steady. Um, like, I, 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 and I can't, I can't remember the exact details of it, but I remember there was a really, really um, tender, deep moment between us mm-hmm. where I was just like, thanking you. Um, yeah for being there i think you, you i can't remember what you said but i wish
0: i remember i wish i remember what, I I said I remember these, what you honestly. said
3: because whatever you said because really <laughs> it's
0: not exactly <laughs> me it's not not me that's saying it but it's, it's the best version of me if it's me like i mean i'm down if it's me fantastic but it's like yeah. damn i wish i remembered what i said because that was like yeah really, but it's really but it's poignant.
3: it's still salient like
0: yeah that, it, was, that it was felt and it was it was experienced And then I remember there was another energy, like after the tears, there was something underneath the tears. Mm -hmm. And it was an energy of feeling like my experience of it was that some part of you had been kind of squashed.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And some part of you had been oppressed is a strong word, but kind of squashed and diminished by what felt like the masculine. Masculine saying like, do it this way. You're not Mm. ready yet. You know, all of this, this is, this is what I felt. And what emerged was one of the most unbelievable (laughs) dialects that I've ever heard, which sounded like an African priestess Orisha who was speaking in, and and I only say African, not because I know the dialect, but it just had that sound.
3: No, that's what it was. (laughs) That's what I was experiencing. Yeah. And it was,
0: it was, and you just start going, you just start, you just start (laughs) laying into it. And then what's crazy is I could understand you Mm -hmm. at least like what the the energy was saying, not what every word was, but it was, and I started, I started kind of feeding it, you know, in a way and almost preempting it right at the start by going, what came through. And I remember this very clearly. It was like, on what authority, Jen? So I'm playing the voice (laughs) Mm -hmm. that was like that voice that had told you to stay small. On what authority do you have to do what you do? You know, this kind of masculine questioning and judging Mm. and not recognizing, you know, actually at you as a woman of the earth, yeah you know, and all of the work and all of the mastery I was like, on what authority uh-huh. and then I took your side of it and I go on God's on authority. God's authority yeah on God's authority and at that point that Orisha African was like, yeah, that's fucking right, <laughs> you know like how dare you all you fucking' it was men. kind of like a
3: bomb exploded in yeah, his face it That was, was, unbelievable. It was like a yeah, yeah. bullion, ridiculous, like mm-hmm. audacious. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: and it started like that and then it and then as I was like yeah i hear you like <laughs> i hear you you know cuz you were kind of laying into the you were laying into the <laughs> men and not even any particular men just but just that the zeitgeist of like you know you're not ready you're not good enough what authority do you have this kind of almost the fundamentalism which exists in all traditions whether religious or spiritual mm-hmm. and and then i was And then at a certain point, as you kind of could feel that I could understand you and it was like, yeah, for sure. (laughs) You know, like I agree, you know, and then you started laughing or that voice through you started laughing. You were both connected, obviously. You started laughing, then I started laughing and then you would still like say a few things (laughs) and then we'd laugh and then like is laughing and then (laughs) Vailana's laughing. And like, it was just such a magical and powerful moment. You know, one of those experiences that's just, Unforgettable,
2: mm.
0: yeah, yeah, and so do you think that the the connection to that African voice is potentially because of your initiation in Gabon with the with the Bwiti people, or was this more just cosmic
3: you know i don't I don't know that there was any connection there necessarily, but perhaps i mean i I am
1: a really good representative of base, yeah, and art.
3: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel a very deep connection to, uh, to Africa, especially to Gabon, to the Congolese basin, Uh but this felt like something distinct, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I don't know what it was. I don't know where it came from and it it had never quite come through like that before. Yeah. Um, but I'm very glad it did.
0: Yeah. It was, it was really cool. I've, I've had those experiences where, I mean, this is, this is the origins of humanity. Mm. Like this is our shared commonality and source, Mm. which is why the racism that's been prevalent in the world is so absolutely preposterous because it's a forgetting of our history. You know, like we all emerged from Africa. We were all of that skin color. Just how many generations you want to go back, Mm -hmm. you know, like like what like, what are you even talking about with your your fucking racist ideas? It's so absurd. It's yeah. just like so stupid fundamentally. And also, you know, the kind of ethnographic religious differences that we have. Like, where do you think it all came from? You know at a certain point, we we're all like before the flood, an advanced civilization, call it Atlantean, call it whatever it is. But we're all sharing a commonality of source of our connection to the divine. Maybe we spread out to different places, but I think recovering this commonality of source of like where we come from, which must include the original, the original humans from Africa, you know, where we all originally came from Mm. that's come through in journeys before where it's like, I remember I forgot, (laughs) I forgot actually that I had an aboga microdose when I was going into a journey and I was like, man, this fucking journey is wow. It's unbelievably powerful. And then I see this African like priest shaman and, and being like, Oh, you forgot about me again. Forgot about me again. Well, guess what? I've been here the whole time. Like you forgot about me, but I've been here the whole time. And he's like pounding his chest. He's like, I've been here the whole time. And it was, not only reminding me about a boga that I forgot about, but it was reminding me like, don't forget where you come from. You, know, you may identify with the Hebrew lineage, which was spent quite a bit of time in Egypt, which of course is Africa, but you don't, I don't think of it as African, but then it's like, go deeper, son, like go deeper, son, and see like all of these, you know, the first spirits and the first energies of the first land, like it all goes back, it all goes back to the same spot. and. It's just a beautiful opportunity to kind of experience that. And and of course, you guys have both gone through initiations in Gabon with the, you know, premier African medicine, Iboga, which I've had my own experiences, many microdoses and three flood doses, which is a bigger dose. Um, and I'm definitely called to to experience that medicine again, but that's gotta be a, just an unbelievably Beautiful and powerful experience to go to the source, yeah. and with the Buiti people who've held that tradition, and to the source land in Africa, mm. and experience that—it's got to be a, you know, one of the highlights of your own path.
3: <laughs> well we got stuck there over the pandemic we got stuck there right as uh the world closed down
0: some extra time
3: so, yeah we got a bit of time there <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we went for three weeks and spent
0: five months <laughs> uh, after like we're gonna keep you for a little while
3: <laughs> yeah yeah but it's a i mean it's an amazing tradition uh yeah. it's an amazing It's an amazing technology, technologies that they have going alongside that. I mean, there's a lot I could say about iboga, Mm -hmm. Um, probably less I could say about the tradition because I'm still young in that tradition. Um, But one thing I deeply love about that way um, is that, you know, bwiti, there's always two. There's always two. You can't practice it alone. It doesn't exist. Um, and even if you look at the the plant, an actual iboga tree, the way that it grows, it's like it splits off into two, and it splits mm. off into two, then it splits off into two. The leaves grow that way. It just and it has this form that's always two. You know, it's always it's it, it's not just black, it's not just white, it's both. Right. And it's kind of, I feel like it's the best medicine for really unpacking the nature of duality. And you know the the depths of the primordial darkness of it, and the vastness of the luminosity of the light of it, right. and everything in between.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what you're saying that this technology,
0: I definitely subscribe to. It is a technology of consciousness. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It's from in my experience, it's very direct. Yes. Also, it's yes. very very direct. Like. It's very, it's
3: very literal.
0: It's very literal, and also, you know, it knows it has time with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so like, I think that's one th- that's one thing about the intelligence of medicines is it works with your body. Yeah, is like so smoked DMT, mimosa extract, extracted DMT, NN DMT for those who want to get technical, which is different than five meo DMT. Very different experience. Um, but. I spent many years, you know, practicing the vaporizing of NNDMT and having those experiences. Those were in years where, you know, I was, you know, super close friends with Rogan at the time. And and this was something that like we were, we were into and uh, myself more. So I'll speak more for myself. But of course, Joe did DMT, the spirit molecule with Mitch Schultz and he talked about it and that was, definitely inf- influential in me getting in this path, but really, I mean, you're talking a 20 minute journey max. <laughs> Oftentimes you're talking 15 and then there's, there's a beautiful kind of sunset area where you get to integrate ideas, but the medicine is only really strong for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. It feels timeless. So it can feel like a much longer journey. So where it always took me and I've done over a hundred of these ceremonies and always in ways that are like, I treat it very seriously and very respectfully. And that's, I think one of the advantages that I've had of starting with like a shamanic practice rather than it was never like Aubrey just doing psychedelics with his college buddies, you know, until I was well out of college, every single experience I had was in the shamanic context with, uh, with a teacher of some sort, whether it was mushrooms or whether it was whatever eventually got the confidence to lead myself through and, you know, people close to me through the, these DMT journeys. Because what I found was the content that it would give you knowing that it only had 10, 15 minutes was like, here's one pearl, mm-hmm. you know, and here's an expanded version of, of what's out there. I'll give you a glimpse. Here's, a, here's an entity you might encounter. It'll sell you one thing. Here's a, res, you know, a revelation you might have. But we're going we're gonna to button this up because you don't have much time in this space. You know, Iboga, it's got like 18 hours. It can take you, it can, it can have a long conversation. You can argue with it for eight hours um, and then um, it'll win at hour nine. You're like, fuck, what have I been doing for the last eight hours? You had me the whole time. It's been checkmate from the start. And Iboga's like, yeah, but it's good
1: for you to argue. You and know, actually like, initi- initiation is more even
0: that's a yeah,
3: I mean, initi- in- initiation yeah. is weeks, actually.
0: Yeah, so, so there's levels, uh, there's microdose, yeah. there's flood dose, and then there's initiation. Yeah, uh, yes,
3: exactly. And there's different, yeah, there's different ways of serving it. Um, but, you know, typically doing doing a death ceremony, which is a flood dose and an initiation, whatever branch of buiti that you're doing the initiation in Um you know where we were. They basically gave us as much aboga as we could eat. So it's just like here's seven big spoons at a time, and then a couple minutes oh, later, here's just, another seven big spoons at a time. Just with
0: a bucket full of It's minutes. just
3: a big, a big
0: and tray. It's like they, uh, they call it wood because yeah. it's basically like sawdust. It,
3: well, yeah. it's it's the root bark of the, the of the shrub.
0: Yeah, yeah, dried out. Ground yeah. up. And
3: yeah, ground up. It's kind of it it's kind of chunky. It's it gets stuck in your teeth. It's mm. extremely bitter. Um, you know, and when you eat that kind of a quantity of it, literally I didn't take a shit for a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's just like a ball of and I didn't vomit in that experience Whoa. either. So it's just like a ball of wood stuck in my gut. Yeah. Move slowly <laughs> moving its way down,
0: <laughs> and then when you finally did shoot, it looked like a, a horse yeah. <laughs> just making wooden <laughs> hay pellets. Actually, like really,
3: but it but it actually has an amazing action on your digestive system to to actually eat the the wood because it's it's antibacterial. I mean, it's it's good in so many ways. Mm. Um, just the action of it on your body. It's it's you know your in a really long experience where you might feel like you can't walk or you're dizzy when you stand up for a period of, you know, 18 hours to up to 72 hours. It can even be depending on how much you have. And it kind of just lays you down and goes to work on you, you know, really deeply reprogramming, really deeply giving you a tremendous amount of neuroplasticity. It gives more neuroplasticity than any other psychedelic any other plant like working medicine
0: on more receptor sites all of them oh, yeah all it's of like, them which one should we use uh, all of them <laughs> yeah five five hd2 receptor yeah. Nah, yeah. we'll use that one and everything else
3: and so you know it it's like it needs that much th- I, this is my take on it is that in order to do such a thorough job it needs that much time but you come out of that feeling like really consolidated um, in the sense of like I feel deeply fortified in my body I feel I feel really well I feel mm. like I've been my nervous system has just been like ironed
0: out oh, yeah. the feeling the yeah. feeling coming off about of I mean a Boga, the experience was hellish mm. for me every time it's not very uncomfortable for me particularly mm. um so feeling like tired is a euphemism for how I felt like, yeah, I was, but also it was like, oh gosh, so uncomfortable, so much energy, Mm -hmm. so much nausea, you know, like just trying to wiggle around on my mat to find a slight bit of relief or comfort, you know, Mm -hmm. it's very intense, but also can be psychically so blissful. Oh yeah. Because the revelations that were coming. So it's just, just interesting again, duality, like, you're going to be physically uncomfortable, but your mind is going to be surfing and dancing in a way that you've never thought possible. And so it was this beautiful, you know, combination of, of those two experiences. And I can only, I mean, there's a lot of initiations that I'm like, one part of me is drawn to. And another part of me is like, no, I got of want any parts of that. You know, it's like just imagining that. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I'm curious, um, Because as I was, you know, as I've learned about part of the initiation, there's an extended period in many traditions where they leave you in front of a mirror Mm -hmm. on the peak of it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: What's the, I mean, I can imagine what the purpose of that is, but I haven't done it before. What's the, what's the purpose of this mirror work and how is that like for you guys? I think. Take your take.
3: Well, I think that's, uh, I think that's obvious. Yeah. It's like. Be with yourself. Look <laughs> yeah, at yourself. For real, for real. you know, it's it's li- again, it's literal. Yeah. yeah, it's like here's the mirror.
1: Here's the mirror. <laughs> so much stuff can pass in front of the mirror. Your masks, your ways of seeing the world, your ways yeah. of seeing yourself. You know, and we don't question that kind of things normally in our awake state or our normal state of consciousness, and just like shake a little bit this. Normal state of consciousness and see yourself from different perspective, uh, yeah. which could be the mirror work. And just to say about the voga, it's uh, so good for intentionality. Mm-hmm. Like whatever intention you have with that plant, it will take you there. Yeah, you know, you want to work on whatever you want to work, and uh, the set is really prepared, and the people that hold the ceremony is really there. For the person to be able to relax itself in the in the medicine, you you go there.
0: Yeah, in the in you know the the facilitation that I received, uh, the maestro had me write out a list of questions mm. that he would ask me in you know when the medicine was strong, and I remember writing them out and just went one by one. So it was not only like. A lot of times you'll write in your journal, you'll set an intention, but in the middle of an ayahuasca ceremony, you're like, like you have to remember. So simpler intentions are usually better, mm-hmm. <clears throat> or maybe you have three different questions, but but you gotta like focus. And usually, usually you'll sublimate them and they'll come out subconsciously as soon as you write down your intention. But in a boga, again, it was literal. It was like, well, what questions do you want to know? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, write them out. I'll ask you. And like so, all of these questions. Were written out and then you know asked to me and then I got to like actually answer these questions, but not as the limited self of my normal waking state, but as this hyper. I I almost call it like a hyper sobriety.
3: Yeah, that's that's actually a really good way of naming it. Yeah,
0: it's like the hyper sobriety of clarity. Yeah, and then from that position, I got to answer all of these questions. Some were simple answers, and some were complex.
3: Yeah. It's like it, it lends, it lends a tremendous amount of brightness to whatever amount of clarity you've already cultivated, you know, to the extent that you've, um, cultivated your own awareness body. It's like, it just adds brightness to that and a tremendous amount of brightness. And so it's not to say that it would be that for everybody. It's not to say that, you know, anybody could come to that medicine with a list of questions and get really clear answers, because that's certainly not the case. It's right. it's like any medicine. It's so different depending on.
0: So, and so a lot of people I know have gone yeah. in and I've shared this and they've had a bunch of questions and then they just go into what's called, you know, just in common tongue, a whiteout.
3: Yeah, exactly. Which, which is
0: not a blackout. Which, where you, it's like a, it's a different thing.
3: Yeah, where where they come back from it, and there's not a lot of recollection of what actually right. so happened what, in that space. Yeah. But they're left with kind of the aftermath of what that's done for them. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, it works in different ways, just as any plant medicine, you know. Right. But but a boga, Um, my take on that is partly, you know, I think if somebody has a lot of sincerity, like. I really want to look at this. I really want to see it. I'm ready for the yeah. truth of that, please, yeah. in in like a genuinely humble way, then the medicine comes forth and it's like, all right, okay, this is how it is. Um and there's and there's an ability to receive that. I think if there isn't necessarily um, a full humility there or an actual willingness, maybe there's an I- idea. Of a willingness, but there isn't the actual mm-hmm. um, either willingness or resource. It might not yeah. just be willingness; it also can have to do with the resource of if you're actually ready to see. Right. Then sometimes I think that's why experiences like that can occur with yeah. the plant.
0: Yeah. It's scary to actually because a boga is really to me, uh, you know, it's truth medicine.
3: Very much so. It's truth medicine. Very much and- so. <laughs>
0: So if you're not ready for the truth, it's, it's very scary medicine. Mm. I actually had an experience where in my own, you know, in my own in a journey, you know, recently I had an experience where I felt like I was in contact with truth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I had the ability, like with a boga to actually discern the absolute truth. Mm. And so I was there and... It was basically like, well, what do you want to know? And I was like, fuck, I don't know. I didn't know I was going to end up here. You know, I, I was going to be here in contact with the ability to get the truth, you know? And I was like, so I start going through and I'm like, you know, well, all right. I know everything's good with Vailana and I love her so much. And it's like, well, you sure you don't want to ask? And I was like, no, I don't want to ask. I know that. And it's like, why are you scared to ask? <laughs> and I go fuck you. (laughs) Uh, There was like a moment where I was like, how dare you? But I was like, all right, fine. I'll ask. And then I'm asking and it's like, yeah, you fucking love her so much. She's everything to you. I was like, ah, but there was that moment where truth was actually playing a game with me. Like you say you're this sure. But if I wasn't sure, you know, I would have flinched at that one moment. But in that, in that experience, it was like, all right, well, here we go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, here we go. And even though it was something that I was sure about, and it was ultimately confirmed, when you have access to that much truth, even these things that are deep core beliefs, you, you recognize like, oh, I'm in contact with, a, with another level of truth and something could appear that, you know, could just shake your whole reality. But it, that's also the trust of the medicine and the trust of the space and trust that you're not interacting with some you know hayoka reality as a trickster Mm. you know energy that's trying to fuck with you which can happen as well so it's the discernment of like what voice and what space you're in and also because that's important because you can also get you know i've definitely experienced reality as a trickster it's you know tried to trick me in many different ways but through the many years i've been able to discern like all right this is the real thing versus this is trick
1: strategy and that's a that's a training right
2: mm-hmm.
1: at least for me it was a training which is like yeah what uh, i'm perceiving is like actually going on or am i just like making it up right which is the big questions that uh, that i've been
0: trying to to respond for myself yeah yeah so you guys have this beautiful center down in colombia not the easiest to get to you take a couple flights, <laughs> got to ride a, ride a burro
3: or do a two hour walk
0: <laughs> or do a two hour walk or walk next to the burro and let the burro carry your bags. The burro is a donkey. Uh, so, or a mule or a mule, mule. or a mule either way. Um, but stunningly beautiful. I mean, I saw the pictures of, of, you know, what you guys created down there and, you know, it seems that what you guys are really, you know, feeling is that, you know, you want to kind of anchor a space where you can serve medicine and you have, you know, been blessed with multiple lineages and many different medicines as tabaqueros, tabaqueras, ayahuasqueros, ayahuasquera, and then initiated also in the Buiti tradition to serve a boga. So you really have a, a huge arsenal of tools at your availability, as well as the ability to lead dietas which are the plant dietas, which often involve ayahuasca as a way to deep, more deeply connect with the spirit of the plant, like Bailana did with Marosa. And some people out there, and I, I just want to like address this in the field. Some people out there are saying, Falco, you're from fucking, Ro- where, Romania? <laughs> Spain? I, was, I was born in Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Grew up in Spain. Bulgaria and Spain. You're from fucking Bulgaria and Spain. Jen, you're fucking Canadian.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) 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 What are you doing serving medicine? And again, it's that how dare you voice, right? Right? So like, how do you address those voices that come in that are trying to say, like, no, this medicine is only for these people in this way. Nobody else should serve it and nobody else should take it. You know, like, how do you address those, those voices that can emerge? From what I would say is a small part of the population, but it's it is a voice that is consistent.
1: Go ahead. After that, I can give my take.
3: I mean, you know, the the kind of theme that you're touching in on is definitely one of like cultural appropriation in terms of you know going to the places where these traditions are from, which we're we're seeing a lot of. You know, and I, you know, cultural appropriation is one way to name it. Another way to name it um, is that we're coming from generations and generations and generations of, you know, we all have an indigenous soul and, you know, someone who's... And
0: indigenous roots. And indigenous
3: roots. Where all of our, all of us are, have ancestors who were indigenous to somewhere. There's been a lot of, Um, immigration and displacement and movement on this planet. And, you know, for me personally, I'm from Canada. Um, From the time I was a young, young child, I had a deep resonance with the way of, you know, the Lakota and where I was born in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know i I don't see it as a matter, and I'm saying this as a white person, obviously. Right. Um, I see it as you know, my indigenous soul is an orphan, and that part of my indigenous soul that is an orphan has has found well, parents, has yeah. found families in various different parts of this world. And I felt very welcomed in, you know, I lived in the Peruvian Amazon for almost a decade. Um, I have numerous friends who are Shipibos. I am I, not fluent in their language, but I learned to speak a lot of their language. Um, I really respect their culture. Not only respect it, I love it. Yeah. Um, it's not to say that their culture is idyllic or perfect or any culture is idyllic or perfect. We're all humans. We're all fallible. Um, but there's a kind of a universality below all of the cultural nuances. Yep. That's something that my my soul, my soul was hungry for. And I didn't I didn't find that when I was growing up in Canada mm-hmm. necessarily. They didn't teach that to us in school. There weren't, there weren't spiritual guides of that actually um helped me to find that direct connection when I was going to church as a young teenager child. So, you know, for me, this has been, this has been a spiritual path. Um, You know, I don't, I don't know what more I would say to it. I don't give it too much energy. Um, I feel like I've given a lot of.
0: Maybe that, maybe that African. Priestess will come out and give it a little bit of energy, <laughs> saying, "Oh, you, where you think we're all from?"
3: Exactly, <laughs> you know, know and, we all from. And, and you from? know, even and this is an, another earth. thing in, in Gabon actually. Um, one of the things that some people there believe is that you know there's a, a lot of. Westerners, a lot of people initially from France, because Gabon was a French colon was a French colony, so the French were the first to really come there. But nowadays, there's the majority of people who are coming to initiate are Westerners, yeah. and actually, what what they believe in Gabon is that the people who are really called to come and work with Iboga, um, you know, and partake in Bwiti, are have past lives as Africans. That's what they believe, mm-hmm. and they believe that they've come back to kind of pick it up because culturally there is disinterest, it is slowly being lost, which is actually true also in the Amazon. Um, You know, for example, you just spent some time with Americo and Olga down at Sultara. Um, You know, they're one of the few Shipibo uh, Onaya. So Onaya are their healers. It's the Shipibo term for a healer. They're one of the few Onaya couples that has one child. Well, actually they have together one child who's interested in that path. Otherwise, there are very few young people who are actually interested in picking up the reins that mm-hmm. their ancestors have are, are leaving there, are offering for right. them. And so, I mean, it's not to say that I have any kind of idea that I'm carrying forth some kind of ancient ancestral knowledge in that traditional way, because I can't possibly do that. I can't possibly uh, gain even a you know, even half of that knowledge, you know, I, I can embody it in the way that is me, that is Jen in this particular body, this particular race with my particular history. And that's it. Mm -hmm. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Well said. Welcome. And I would say just like the same, what Jen was saying, you know, when I was growing up, uh, what was offered in my case, uh, football and, uh, Beer. Bulgarian, it's close in Bulgarian culture is rakia, which is uh, uh, a alcohol drink basically, and that was like what the is solution. Is it like
0: fermented mare's milk or something. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: like what are we? What are we talking
0: here? Uh, how to describe
3: rakia? Uh, rakia is basically like a strong distillation. It's it's often made of grapes. It could be made yeah. of roses. It could be made of apricots or plums. It's it's moonshine essentially.
0: Are you a Dothraki? <laughs> I, I
1: know.
2: <laughs> then
1: basically that was the offering, you know. And it's just like uh, this culture didn't had the 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 lineage uh, of grieving. And yeah. this is so, so needed. You know, we like Western cultures and doesn't matter if the United States or Europe, it's all the same train of thought that came up from Europe. You know, that has been so much put it aside, the grieving processes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I see myself like uh, participating in in this wave of like, let's revive uh, this... Uh, so powerful rituals, you know. And first of all, for me was personal. I didn't started like I wanted to carry this medicine. That mm-hmm. is, doesn't even cross my mind. It was I just want to be like a little bit more free and a little bit more in yeah. peace, please. You know. And uh, when I got to the level that I'm a little bit more in peace and a little bit more free, just going deeper and deeper and deeper. And people started showing up and just like the same people from the same culture i have uh, my way of seeing it and my way of uh, expressing it is so will resonate with that kind of people yeah you know then i'm basically seeing myself like i'm carrying something that is a lineage which is an old lineage but in a new way with my
0: own mm-hmm. embodiment of this lineage yeah
1: you know that's that's how i see it abre
0: when I asked this to Maestro Orlando, who's from a, a deep tradition of the Quechua lineage, which is also one of the oldest lineages in Peru is from my understanding, it's a, a deep lineage. And I asked him like, you know, what are your thoughts about this same question? And he just kind of laughed in the way that, that he does. And one, one thing I will say about every good, you know, teacher, healer, maestro, maestra that I've ever met they got a great laugh. It's like, <laughs> if you can't, if you don't have a great laugh, like, I don't trust you. <laughs> you don't get it. But he has a great, because he has a great laugh. And, and he, he says, right now, the earth is in danger.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, we're, he has maybe not the complexity of the understanding of the existential threat, but he's been there in the, in the jungle, in the selva. And he knows that things are being destroyed you know, trees are being slashed and burned. The resources are being extracted. He sees it from potentially more of an environmental lens rather than the proliferation of, you know, the access to make biological weapons with CRISPR becoming democratized or whether it's, you know, AI that's unregulated in a certain way. Like all of these other things, you may not be aware of that, but he's like, yo, the earth is in trouble. And these medicines, he really... When I asked him what ayahuasca was, he said, this is the spirit of the mother. Mm -hmm. It's like ayahuasca, the spirit of ayahuasca and the spirit of Gaia are to him like the same thing. You know, maybe there's subtle distinctions, but at least in the way he expressed it to me, it was like, this is the mother speaking Mm -hmm. and the mother wants her children to wake up and to heal. And I think for me, the thing that, that quiets all of that noise is one, understanding the deep pain and recognizing and not trying to whitewash the history of colonization and really rape of culture that's existed for all of us. You know, I mean, throughout every place at a certain point, it just depends on at what point were we ripped from our culture. Was it when the Romans came to the, you know, Druidic forests and slayed all the, the Druids and the Merlins and buried those traditions? Or was it when they, you know, destroyed the temple of Solomon for the last time and, and tried to eradicate the Hebrew lineage and burned all those books. Was it then, or yeah. was it when, you know, the, the Spaniards, the, Yeah, the Spaniards, <laughs> the Spaniards, you know, came in and, and the conquistadors and wh- like, when, like, when did it happen? Cause it happened to all of us, like all the lineages, most of them were broken and it's still happening in certain ways. And, and, and the deep pain and the recognition, first of all, of that, to like feel that in the heart first and like understand where the, the genesis of this is coming from, which mm. is like, fuck y'all, you've taken too much already. And I totally get it. And then on the other side, you know, agreeing with all of the reasons that you guys shared, but also saying like, now is the time where we all have to come together. And, you, and we see this happen in our movies and in actual reality. It's like the movie Independence Day, for example. The aliens are coming to fucking eradicate (laughs) the world. All of a sudden, all of the national borders dissolve. All of the armies work together. All of the religions work together. Everybody's like, shit. Like we got to come together. All of these differences. It's not like, oh, you're a, you know, you're a Syrian, you know, rebel. And I'm a, I'm a, an American. We can't work together. It's like, no, 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 none of that matters. And, We're facing this moment where the world's going to need every bit of medicine from every corner of the world and every lineage to come online and to open up, to recognize our shared humanity so that collectively, the only way that we're going to get out of this mess that we're in is collectively. And to get out of the mess, we collectively need all of the collective medicine. Just like if we had a collective war against aliens, we need collectively all of the armed forces collectively of the world. That's obviously the the violent way to look at that same thing, but it's still the same thing. We need either all the weapons or all the healing we to actually respond. We
3: need all the help we can get. We need right all now. the help we can That's get. That's the simple way That's of saying it.
2: <laughs> That's the, it. The yeah. mess
0: is pretty deep.
2: It's deep, yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's more it's more complicated than we even realize because we don't have optics on what's actually happening. Maybe every once in a while somebody will show you a picture of a fucking 20 mile wide flotilla of plastic in the ocean. But when I go to, you know, when I go to Miami, it's not like I'm like swimming in the flotilla, you know, like I just have some vague idea of what's happening there. These giant landfills or these strip mines that are poisoning water in somewhere. It's like, we don't get it because we're not seeing the global impact of everything that we're doing. So it's very difficult for us to grok Mm. like what's actually happening, but let it be known. It's, it's happening and we need to respond with the urgency of recognizing what's happening even beyond our own field of vision. And
1: certainly plant medicines can help in that. Absolutely. You know, on a personal level with our own woundings and our own traumas that we carry there. Yeah. and uh, on a collective level of the mess that you just, just expressed. And I just want to share a, a vision that I had, uh, 17 years ago or something like that, when I was like first experiences of ayahuasca, I was in Spain and I drank the brew. It was incredibly strong. And basically the vision was, uh, I just lay in my bed and I just disappeared in a vision space. And uh, we all have seen the movie. What was this... Blue people movie uh, Avatar. Avatar that's the one we all seen the movie of Avatar you remember the scene where uh they emerged from the from the forest and the forest is cut yeah. everything was cut in the first movie yeah and uh sh- the female uh was start crying directly
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: and basically my vision was like that i was seeing just like the amazon forest all cut
0: yeah
1: and one enormous tree was standing and there was a person that was cutting the tree with a chainsaw. And in that moment, I, I just felt the tree. I was the tree.
2: Yeah.
1: I felt the earth. I felt all the animals that doesn't have any more shelter or home over there. And this voice was telling me, we are all sick. And the worst part is that we don't even know it. Mm then uh, i think plants has uh, really place in the mess that we are right now
0: into i wouldn't be who i was without it i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to make a claim like i'm all in for all life unless i was had a tool that helped me connect to all life you know and and that's what the the medicines and yes the plants but you know ketamine's been a big ally for me it's obviously synthetic although they did find it in nature, in a strange nematode parasite, so there was a big win for the for the naturalists in the <laughs> ketamine front when they isolated this in a nematode. Uh, but ultimately, like these medicines have expanded my heart, expanded mm-hmm. my consciousness, expanded my field of intimacy and care. You know, and, and many of these concepts that I'm sharing are tenets of cosmoerotic humanism that I've been kind of. It's, my teacher, uh, Dr. Mark Gaffney, has helped me really unpack. So I just want to give credit to the field of cosmoerotic humanism, which we're working on publishing books and sharing more broadly. But a lot of those ideas come from that. But it's the medicines that brought me to him and brought me to that understanding where I understand you know, this space of interconnectedness. And it's both my greatest inspiration and my greatest strength you know, in this to be willing to stand Mm -hmm. because when you feel it, when you feel it all yourself, as you said, when you feel the tree, you care about the tree. When you Mm -hmm. feel the earth, when you hear her speak, you care about the earth and you'll fight, you know, fight with everything you have, which doesn't look like kinetic fighting. It means standing in the resonance of, of connection. You'll fight with everything you have. And I think that's an essential part of how we're going to make it through this and, and every, all hands on deck, all tools available with maximum respect and reverence and trust and faith and laughter and love and all of the things. But it's, uh, it's time. You know, it's time.
1: There is something why this medicine are keep coming. (laughs) You know, especially right now, it's like just keep coming in the, in the collective consciousness. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's also in great part to you know people like yourselves who are you know there serving the medicine in the highest integrity and you know evolving the practices to incorporate the, your own individual unique medicine everything that's come online like it's just been uh, <clears throat> it's been spectacular and a deep honor to both serve you both and also receive from you both and I look forward to this relationship just in this alliance continuing in all worlds and all dimensions and all timelines. (laughs) And uh, I'm all in. Mm.
3: Uh,
1: Likewise, Aubrey.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. I love you guys.
3: Yeah. It's so good to be here with you, Aubrey.
0: Yeah, Mm. for sure. For sure. Thank you everybody for tuning in. If you're interested, um, let's say they want, somebody wants to come sit with you guys and experience some medicine down in Colombia, How do they find you? What's the way?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, so, so we're, we're in the midst, we're actually in right in the middle of really building our center right now. Yeah. So we are, we are, we are hosting work. Um, like we're hosting a number of retreats in a year, private works, et cetera. We do have a website if anybody's interested it's it's still in the process of being built it's got very little information on it up to now but we're working so on it so when
0: you email them just be super judgy of their website <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold them to the <laughs> highest standard <laughs> actually we don't know if, even
1: if this the name of the website will still be the name like was saying, you have to create a redirect because like...
2: so, we need a name everything's
3: in the works so so the the website is uh, it's weirdfarm.com w-y-r-d-p-h-a a-R-M.com.
0: And what is the meaning of weird, W-Y-R-D?
3: Yeah, that's the question. Um, so weird, uh, so the word weird that we know in modern English, it comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word, which the original spelling is W-Y-R-D. And if I were to encapsulate it, which it's impossible to encapsulate it, it would be the most synonymous with the concept of the Tao. Mm-hmm. It's a concept. It's the it's that which is occurring in every moment. That which has come from the past is flowing through this moment into the future. Oftentimes, when it's translated or defined, it's defined as destiny or fate. But it's it's somewhere in between destiny and free will. Yeah, it's like uh, that which the activation of our own agency is waking up to align with the flow of that which is mm-hmm. to become that which we already are
0: right something in, like that in cosmorotic humanism uh, and the hebrew lineage you know gap you know we would call it the field of eros or the field of shekinah mm. which represents that the Tao is another word for it and again these things are very hard to understand but it's mm-hmm. just cool that so many different cultures perhaps in you know our First Nations sculptures, Wakantanka, would be a description of it. Although it has, you know, the nuances of these understandings are all they're all different ways, different prisms to look at the same mm-hmm, thing.
3: Exactly. But
0: it's the structure, you know, it's the structure that animates everything. It's mm-hmm. the thing behind the thing. It's the hands behind the hands, you know, that doesn't efface the uniqueness of your hands, mm-hmm. but it actually infuses it rather than eradicates it
3: yeah exactly
0: yeah weird mm-hmm. farm
3: so we're we're trying to grow more of that
0: yeah let's go get people in <laughs> touch with get people in touch with their weird and here you are in austin right? where we keep things weird <laughs> it's kind of perfect. <laughs> perfect. perfect it's kind yeah. of perfect yeah all right beautiful well, hopefully many people who feel called will find you and, and find your work out there because i cannot recommend more highly the opportunity and privilege it is to, uh, to sit with both of you in your mastery.
2: Aho. Mm. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. Thank
1: you. thank you For sure.
0: Thanks, everybody. We love you and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into this podcast with Jen and Valco. As they mentioned, they have a website that you can go to to check out all of their work and potentially work with them. Hopefully, we'll be integrating them into more of the activities that we offer with Fit for Service. So I would love to hear your comments and your thoughts on this conversation. And if you are a psychonaut yourself. Hopefully you found some of this information valuable and recognize that these medicines have incredible potential and also can offer incredible challenge. So obviously, as with any advice I ever give, make sure you're called to the medicine. Make sure you use maximum discretion and follow your own guidance and your own calling to what is the best path for you. So much love. I'll see you next week.